If something's free, why would you turn it down? I mean, a free haircut from a five-year-old. <laughs> oh, no. Or a free sample of onion paste. Oh. <clears throat> well, then, how about a free tour of your neighbour's new shed? Oh, sounds well. Mm. OK, look, they were bad examples. But how about a free eye test and free glasses from the 69-year-old range of Specsavers with your PRSI? Well, that sounds like something to smile about. Book an appointment or find out more at specsavers.ie. Back in the 1970s, when women's sport wasn't nearly as high profile as it is now, a young girl blazed a trail through the game of cricket that flew in the face of the received wisdom of the day. Not only was she a star at 11 for the women's team, she also played with the boys for Clontarf at underage level until she was banned for the crime of being a girl. I'm delighted to be joined by Stella Owens. You're very welcome, Stella. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me. So Stella, a star at 11. You're like Shirley Temple, really. But um, you, you lived beside Clontarf Cricket Club, right? And your house, I know those houses there, they literally back onto where the nets are. In Clontarf, so you grew up with a ball in your hand, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were in Castle Grove, and uh, the back garden, the end of the back garden, um, was on the uh, at the rugby pitch, and the cricket pitch was to the right. And so, and beside the oak tree, and between next door neighbour, there was a gap. So it became known as the gap, actually. And we all used to run through the gra- gap and and play, whether it was cricket or rugby, and very sports mad family. And my father had played rugby for Clongos and then UCD in out half and um, your brother was a played for rugby uh, played rugby for for Clontarf as well didn't he Morris he did yeah. yeah he played it out half as well so uh, and um, so my other brothers dabbled in it a bit my older sister played tennis and my my other sister Lily a uh, great cricketer golfer tennis player squash player but uh, sport was just in the family and uh, so I started to go over to the club and uh, hanging about with the boys and playing a bit of cricket and Friday nights used to be we got like like the equivalent of a minis in, in, in rugby and just young boys and girls actually all over the, the ground and um, I don't really know how it came about but I just started to play with the boys and uh, and then uh, uh, I was selected to play on, on the underage team so I think it would be probably under 13s and um, I suppose I was selected on merit and um, we used to, uh, there wasn't, there was no cars in those days in terms of getting people lifts Um, daddies were working and daddy had the car. uh, So we used to take our gear bag. We had no personal equipment either. We'd take the gear bag and four bats and four pairs of pads and gloves and we'd keep gloves and we'd all carry the bag down the lane uh, by the side of the pitch and onto the Holt Road and we get the bus into town. <laughs> the kind of thing you wouldn't be allowed to do now. Absolutely really. not. No, it wouldn't even be considered. And then <laughs> we would get the bus then to wherever we were going. So like the 16 to Rat Mines or the 15 to CY mm. and then over to uh, the three which took you out to Railway or Pembroke. I played you for Pembroke. In fact, I faced your bowling 
So it caused great consternation. I remember there was a guy, was a chap called Rupert from um, from from I think he was he was a Herovian. and he he was going through the scorebook. He was keeping the score, and he's going, "They've got a girl." Uh, he couldn't get over this. Um, but you had a reputation very quickly for being very good. You weren't just there making up the, making up the numbers. So it's, yeah, I mean, just just that that's that instant you're talking about uh, with with Rupert. There was lots of Ruperts because you know the first thing they would they would say is, "Is it a girl?" You know, and then if they'd establish, yeah, it is a girl. You know, well, why is she playing on the boys' team? And and then I would bowl and they'd say, "Okay, okay, we well, now we know why she why she's playing on the team." But uh, and the next thing was, do not get out to a girl. Yeah, because that would be not very becoming and 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 uh, would cause consternation but uh, that must have been a bit of an ace up your sleeve you probably knew that at that age that these lads did not want to be out to particularly to a girl oh, yeah. so that must have been a help to you in a way was it it was yeah and it was a bit of fun you know i mean i think that the, the the guys from clontarf like they just had they had great fun with that as well you know and you know oh here we go now they're all laughing and joking and and, and then you know i start to bowl and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the kind of smiles are wiped off everyone's faces. Mm. So, but it's a good laugh. And we, we, we had great fun and uh, really, really enjoyed it. And as I say, traveling all around the city, uh, uh, playing cricket for the boys. And then and then everything was going fine. And the, the women's cricket actually was, was starting to, to kind of be developed in kind of 76 sure. and 77. But uh, someone actually in Clontarf decided that this wasn't... Um, proper this wasn't cricket yeah it wasn't cricket and um um spoke to the i presume the leinster cricket union at the time and said uh i don't think uh, girls should be playing so i basically i was banned so they brought in a rule that uh, girls shouldn't play uh on boys teams and uh so it was a bit disappointing that must have been very difficult for you to process for the you know the age that you were at particularly and it seemed like the most natural thing in the world for you just to play cricket because yeah Yeah, it it was I I remember being embarrassed because um all the 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 men in the club were were talking about it you know and so there was kind of drawing unnecessary attention Mm. onto me kind of for all the wrong reasons you know I hadn't done anything wrong I was just trying to play play the game so uh uh so it was it was was disappointing all right and uh, uh but I continued on hanging around well, you played with the women's team well I, I was, yeah i mean that was kind of starting in parallel mm, so yeah. when i couldn't play no longer play with the boys i i was playing tennis as well and i was kind of doing athletics so uh, and the game with the women was be kind of was starting to develop so uh it it didn't you know it, it eased it a, a little bit and um so yeah uh, um 1976 is when i remember and uh it had been played in the 50s and 60s and, and then had kind of... It, it died away. Died away. So it started again in 1976, I think, around that time. Yeah. And at that point, my understanding of it is, is that the Irish... The Irish uh, cricket... Uh, the Irish Union... Cricket Union, or the Women's Cricket Union, had to kind of develop their own union that they weren't actually part of the... Oh, yeah, the yeah, union. absolutely not. I mean, and we, I think it started out the Leinster Cricket Union and, and, and we, like, we were playing in Clontarf and there was the likes of Phoenix and Leinster and 
um, other teams were developing what was called ladies sections. So we were kind of in the, the ladies section of of the the, the women's um, or the the whole club, and uh, you know it it was great. I I was obviously playing with uh, kind of much older people, but you know you know when you get when you get older now those kind of ages kind of are, are much closer together. Mm, yeah. But at the time when I was eleven, I was playing with mainly kind of people in their late teens and early 20s uh, and there were some kind of older um, people who well and one being of course Mary Coffey who was um, had been very prominent in the in playing cricket in the 50s and 60s and um, we we, we kind of garnered a lot of publicity around uh, the women's cricket and and really tried to promote it so any publicity was good publicity so an example was uh, uh, Mary Taff who was um, the sister of Alaco Reardon, so a famous cricketer, uh, and she was pictured in the front page of the Irish Times in one of the side columns, and the picture of her was her standing batting, showing exposing her white frilly knickers. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, obviously not appropriate, but it was kind of a case of any publicity was good publicity, and uh, people just thought this was great fun. And it kind of gave us exposure. And the other side of that, in terms of publicity, was we had an 11-year-old playing with Mary Coffey, who was a grandmother. So she was in her early 50s. And uh, so they used to do, kind of had showed the picture in the paper, you know, the different generations. And uh, kind of all of it was, was helpful, I suppose, in promotion game, which is really, really good. So, okay, so on the, on the one... In one way, kind of history would look back and kind of aghast, and uh, and uh, but at the time, it didn't quite feel like that uh, for you because you didn't really know a whole lot different. You were just trying to promote the, the yeah. women's game, yeah. So you did kind of what you what you what you had to do. Now you played, you were eleven when you, I think, were playing when you won the, your first competition with the women's team. There's a there's a I know there's a photograph of you. Uh, sitting uh, at the team photograph, sitting at the ground at the front, and uh, like the mascot. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, you're in good company there, by the way, because I interviewed uh, Ollie Campbell and John Robbie, the former um, rugby players who played made their debut against Australia in 1976, and they said um, somebody said to them uh, when they saw them, the, some from Australian guys uh, reckoned that there was nice that these two team mascots were allowed into the photograph <laughs> and they were playing. So you're in good company there. Um, and was that in any way difficult for you or confusing for you to just be playing at 11 with adults? Because, you know, adults can be, you know, when things get going and, as you know, competitive and people are competitive, you know, does that ever become difficult for you? Uh, not really. I think, you know, everyone was quite protective okay. of me. And um, so, you know, I, I grew up playing cricket as in, as in growing up developmentally, you know, I mean, went through all the stages and, and it, it was brilliant that they brought you along and uh, I can remember that first uh, win we were talking about in Phoenix and uh, obviously the celebrations they were all drinking champagne of course I wasn't allowed to drink champagne I think I had a little tipple and I nearly fell off the fence the old <laughs> fence in Phoenix um, but you know as things developed I was more involved in, in kind of the, the entertainment and the, the kind of camaraderie and uh, I mean, one thing to say, Gary, and we had a fantastic time. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I don't think the crack is the same um, now as it was then. And we had such good, fun times. And I know, as I say, all those women were, were you know, having their relationships with, uh, with what are now the kind of 
their grandparents, you know, but that that's how it all started. And and as we as we got developed and 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 the the, the, the cricket was 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 getting better. Uh, yeah, we had to. Uh, we I think that the invite came maybe from Holland, from a team in Holland. So in order to have an international team, you had to have a governing body. So we had to establish the Irish Women's Cricket Union okay. in 1982. And uh, now obviously I wasn't involved in all of that, but you know, kind of developing your governance structures and, and everything else that you do now. And uh, and that was tough. You know, that was very difficult and trying to get funding. And uh, uh, and what was, was the attitude towards? I mean, the attitude towards cricket generally at that stage was not particularly oh, great, yeah. male or female. Such a minority sport, and uh, it was let alone women. Yeah, yeah, and it was very much a, a middle class sport, mm. a, a kind of a West Brit yeah. sport, and um, so didn't really garner kind of positive attention. But uh, you know, and that's why that's why I said about that clip about. Mary Taff appearing on the front page of the Irish mm. Times because any kind of publicity that was going to promote the game, I know, w- w- was good. And um, and then we went off. We went off in 1983 to uh, to Holland. We played in triangular tournament mm. with uh, Holland and Denmark. We were over in Utrecht. Also had a fantastic time there and played good cricket. And what was the standard like when you got into the international arena? Yeah, well, I mean. I mean, we were we were good in terms of we beat Holland and, and Denmark in that in that um, triangular tournament, and then we started to to play over in England, maybe against Young England and a select a selection, and we were we weren't you know up to that kind of uh, standard, yeah. but we were working all the time, and um, we, you know, we had good coaches involved as well, and then I suppose that and then we started playing a, a quadrangular tournament with with England, uh, Denmark, uh, and and Holland, and. I mean that culminated in the in the um, invite to the World Cup in 1988, and that was that was a, such a big deal, and it was a, the bicentenary of new country Australia, and uh, and it was sponsored by Shell, so it was a, it was a massive big deal, and uh, we we went over there and participated in that with, um, so that was when we came across for well actually Australia had played in 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 Ireland in '87. The year before and you know they had wiped the floor with us really to be honest so we were we uh, were aware of what we were going to be coming up against um the following year but uh that was that was magnificent and we were we, we were in perth and sydney and melbourne so they made sure that all the teams got to, to travel around and to play in different different kind of climates so perth was the, this dry heat and, and what was the attitude like towards women's cricket in australia oh uh, it was it was good yeah it was much more positive um and um it, it well, Australia is, <laughs> is a kind of an interesting place, I suppose, when we were there at the time. Um, you know, you had your kind of very macho yeah. men and... Uh, you rockers, you know, kind of, large kind of blokes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I suppose there was there was a touch of that and, uh, and maybe, I suppose, hosting the World Cup for the women was, was a bit of a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, like the, I think the final was played in um, the MCC. You know, With the MCG. The MCG. Yeah, in the Melbourne Cricket Club, yeah. <laughs> in the Cricket Ground, Grand, yeah, yeah. yeah, which, which is, which is mm. a great achievement uh, in relation to that. And uh, um, Australia won the tournament. And that, that was the fourth World Cup. So it was, I think the first one was in 73. So it was great to have been part of that uh, in 88. And, um, and we, we, you know, we held our own. We weren't completely outclassed uh, in, in relation to how we performed and huge amount of learning from it. 
as well. And Did you have a, a huge, you must have had a huge competitive instinct as a player because you played with a kind of, my memory of you is you played with a un, an economical, unfussy kind of grace. You were very technically, you know, on top of it and good and you just kind of did it. There was no histrionics. There was no, it wasn't a show with you. I mean, but underneath that, you must have been aching to get people out. And Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, was, I was deemed a fast bowler. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think quite a easy action, you know, as, as actions mm. go. And, you know, we used to have enjoyed running down the hill in, in Clontarf and, um, you know, banging it in there. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. You want to get somebody out. But uh, yeah, very competitive with that, but not showy with it. You know, yeah. uh, like when we went to Australia for the World Cup, for instance, you know, we were playing against Australia, New Zealand. England and they were mouthy, really, really yeah. mouthy. And uh, so you weren't a sledger. No, oh God, no. And and uh, my, the rest of my teammates weren't like that either. We were like little mice compared to the, the <laughs> players we were playing against, you know. And we had to buck up there and say, God, you know, we need to be more vocal. And so they would be so intimidating, you know, if you're if you're standing batting, and nonstop talking to wicket keeper, the captain, the bowler in your ear. Constantly and uh, how did you cope with that? Uh, probably not very well. <laughs> you didn't engage with it, did you? Or oh did you? gosh, no, 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 no. T- too timid in that. I I did kind of let my uh, the, the batting and the bowling do the talking, um, and and that's across the board actually. Just in relation to you know being a, a female in a in a, in a, a male dominated sport, uh, very much just try to kind of model uh, and do my talking on the pitch. And, okay, so as a matter of interest, I'm really interested, you know, the best sledging in, in the men's game is kind of, it's, it's generally the more psychological, the, the, the one that, the sledge that they, that they don't see coming or, you know, so what's sledging like in the women's game? Is it the same as men's? Is it, is it the same territory? I'd say, I'd say it is. Um, now, I mean, uh, th- 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 I think there's a lot more goes on. It's much more intimidating. They kind of get physical with the men's. So I, I, I've kind of been out of the game quite a okay. bit, so I, I, I probably wouldn't be answering that very, very well, but um, they are, they are, they can probably give as good as they, they get. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not too sure. You, 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 okay, you, I presume it, it, uh, it, it still goes on. I mean, Australia, of course, is the homeless legend. Uh, and uh, wasn't, wasn't there a story about, um, uh, I think it was Steve Waugh that he, used to feel a point which was equidistant between the two umpires. <laughs> so they couldn't, but they were both equally far away from him. So they couldn't hear what he was saying. And it was kind of, uh, I, I met a, there was a, an administrator um, in then a certain tennis club who called Gakko Elden. I could never quite understand what he was saying, you know, whispered. Um, but Elden had been a, an umpire. In, in the late 80s in cricket and, and he was saying that sledging at that point you, you came from Zimbabwe he said that sledging at that point was so bad that uh, that that you know something had to be done about it and and the only reason why something was done about it ultimately was because of technology well. because all of a sudden they had cam- uh, microphones around the stunt so they heard what people were saying yeah so you you wouldn't be advocating sledging as a tool no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so the, the the issue of 
you in the in a man's world and a man's game as i say and what, what's interesting about it to me is not just that you played is that you played and competed on equal terms like do, do you know the um the the racing driver uh, rosemary smith yes i mean rosemary told me a whole lot of stories of uh, she was on a while ago and she told me a whole lot of stories about um you know i think she was going on the on the, on the, the london to mexico rally and uh uh, she was, I think she was in a, uh, I think it was a British laydown car. And the, the, the then chief executive sort of said that he would be happy if, if she just got to Dover, right? <laughs> you know, and this was kind of considered <laughs> hilarious and, and whatever. This was a woman who, who reversed, uh, I think, 73 kilometers up the Khyber Pass. Um, you know, this is how competitive she was. Uh, so did you receive any of that kind of general condescension not that i was aware of or not to my face directly to my face mm. you know it probably was going on you know behind my back but i don't i don't remember or recall people being you know openly hostile to my presence to my face but an example was um i i uh, i i made history by becoming the first woman to play um intervarsity cricket yeah, because you, you, this issue reared its head when you were in UCD, right? You started playing in the men's team there. So you're yeah. playing seniors, senior men's cricket. Well, there was an intervarsity competition, and I'm not too sure if UCD had played in it before. And, and Peter Prendergast um, was in UCD, and he, he's captaining the team. And I, I was talking to Peter recently. His daughter plays for, for Ireland, and uh, Peter said, uh, I got a lot of flack for that, actually, at the time, for picking a woman. Now, I was absolutely picked on my merit um, because I, I remember some of the other members of the team. And it was an intervarsity tournament uh, with uh, University of Ulster, Queen's, uh, UCD and Trinity. And uh, so UCD, we had an international opening bowling partnership because I opened the bowling with Peter O'Reilly. Because yes. uh, he was in UCD at the time. And uh, again, again, that kind of curiosity, you know, from the other op the opposition you know is, is that a woman and I think I would I think I was, just, I was just trying to recall this when I was playing schoolboy cricket I wore trousers like everyone else but mm. when in the women's game at the beginning we wore skirts mm. and I think I wore a skirt in the intervarsity so just in case there was any doubt <laughs> whether I was a, a, they didn't a have skirts in those days no no yeah. and uh, but, it, but an interesting thing about there's a couple of interesting things actually about the UCD playing is uh, the, the final game UCD played Trinity in, the, in, uh, in Trinity in the grounds and uh, all the other teams who were playing came back to, to Trinity and we had a kind of a final evening were you the only woman in the whole oh, yeah, yeah. tournament right? absolutely okay. and we had the final dinner in the dining hall in Trinity, so this is 1985, and the dining hall was, you know, the big long yeah, tables with the the wine and red tablecloths and the high chairs and the paintings and pictures adorning the walls of the provost and not a woman in sight. Mm -hmm. So I don't think women were allowed in the dining hall. I think you're. I think you may well be right. So they couldn't exactly throw me a plate of food and sitting on the side of the pitch. So I I was in there sitting amongst everybody and uh, I think they snuck me in and they kind of snuck me out as quickly as possible I'd say and we went back to the pub then for a few drinks but the other thing about that uh, there was a, a, a couple of paragraphs appeared on the back of so this is kind of the complete opposite the back of Hot Press magazine so Hot Press and NME at the time were like 
cool too cool really cool magazine so and beside the text was a a picture of me and bowling and it's a quite a good action shot actually Mm. and the headband on and and the caption underneath read sexy stella owens (laughs) (laughs) wow well you wouldn't get away with that now no it doesn't sound like uh, a very uh, even then, because they were they were pride of themselves in being quite witty and right on for their time. Yeah, so okay. I'm not too sure how appropriate it was, but of course I was kind of 19 or 20, so I didn't mind. I was very flattered by the whole thing. So, yeah. but uh, it, it it was it was really good to get that publicity as as a, something cool like a the hot press magazine. In complete contrast to the dining hall in Trinity. Um, Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times? Visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook. What was running through your head? I mean, did it, I know you were young and you were with people you got on well with and you felt part of something in a team and it's easy to, it's easy to just kind of think, gosh, you're so mad. But on the other hand, there must have been some part of you that kind of went, what's going on here? What, why, why is the world this way? Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't recall it being a big deal f- for me personally. I mean, it was great again that that a, a woman was being given the opportunity to play at that level and again that was drawing attention positive attention to the women's game um, you seem very pragmatic in your attitude towards all of this stuff and i you seem like quite a quite a decent kind of person who is non-confrontational but on the other hand you're also on the receiving end of a degree of condescension which, as I say, must be uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was difficult always being, you know, to be the woman and to, you know, even things like us having to have a separate section in the club, and you know, there was probably lingering resentment about mm. the not being able to continue with the boys and always having to 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 work harder. So, like another example is, um, you know, T Twenty, big thing, over the last what fifteen years. For people who may not know, T20 is 20 over. 20 over cricket. cricket. Yeah, yeah. So we pioneered 20 over cricket. And the reason we pioneered 20 over cricket was that the only time we could play was in the evening because we weren't allowed on the pitch at the weekend. Okay. There's no way women were going to be allowed on the pitch. Mm. Uh, that took another, I'd say, 15 years after we started for that to happen. So we could only play in those 20 overs. And we had to look after our the teas ourselves. So tea is a big part of cricket as well. Yeah. You know, the cucumber sandwiches and all of that. So we used to uh, make our own tea. So one half of the team would make the pan of sandwiches and the other half of the team would make the cake, bring cake. And then as soon as the game was over, didn't have time to change or anything, put the kettle on and serve out the tea to the opposition. 
and that's that was a great way of uh, kind of encourage. Uh, but obviously, in the men's game at the weekend, there were the tea ladies. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> who used to make the teas I remember, yeah. uh, uh, for the guys and I would never make the teas because if I was over I was watching a match and that's, that's what I was there to do to watch the match the only time I would ever make teas is if my friends were also involved in making the tea and they'd say Stella will you come in for 20 minutes and help to pour out the, pour out the tea to the, to the guys and I would do it that but no, I suppose that was maybe kind of the opposition to, you know, I'm not going to get, not get involved in this. You know, we need to stand on our own two feet. And mm -hmm. we had to do everything ourselves, uh, as I say, in relation to, to team making. <laughs> the one thing I do know is uh, I play quite a bit of tennis these days in, uh, in league matches. Women's teas are beautiful. They are, they are sumptuous feasts. Men's teas are... are <laughs> finger marked sandwiches at best and a few pringles if you're lucky because there's an awful lot as you know now talked about you know gender issues and so on and you sound like you are quite as i say pragmatic and and moderate's not the right word but but you you seem very reasonable and you look at kind of you seem to think well this is a this is a good step in the right direction. What do you feel about that now in 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 the world as it is now? Yeah, I I I've never been I've never been a, that kind of like an activist or, or or speaking out or or. I think we managed to 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 trailblaze and to to pioneer something. And if I think about, for instance, where where women's cricket is now, uh, I I am absolutely delighted and proud along with my 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 friends and and colleagues that that we were able to to pioneer the game and, and to bring it to where it is and having to go through some of those those things and 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 not being too oppositional i suppose in relation to them just kind of going with the flow and very slowly building up you know steps like developing our own union and uh, i think a, a significant thing in terms of women's cricket was we went to the second world cup in 1993 and uh, the final of that was played in uh, Lords, and uh, that was another thing. So we were in behind in, in the MCC, the Marleybone Cricket Club, so the home of cricket. And uh, again, the women were allowed in there uh, for the the final dinner. They were allowed in. Okay, because I remember hey, uh, Rachel Hayo Flint was a huge pioneer of cricket. Oh in yeah. Absolutely. Now she was quite outspoken, or she was perceived to be quite outspoken, was she? say she was outspoken but she just spoke you know very strongly about the need to bring on the game yeah. and uh and and she was she was fantastic i remember she was in australia actually and we would have spent time talking to her as well about what we can do in terms of getting the game going but the significance of the of the final being at lords and england won that that match was um it, it put it on the on the world stage uh it showed this this and it was really really high england played new zealand it, it was a great final and it was a few years after that, um, that Vodafone, I remember this, Vodafone came in and kind of sponsored the women's game. And I think a few years after that, again, they merged with the men. And that was hugely significant. And the, the women's game started to be shown on, on, on British television. Uh, so that was kind of monumentous. And the reason that was done was to that exposure, mm. you know, so, uh, you know, and and the, the quality and the standard of 
of, of, of the cricket was so high. And that's one thing about the game. It's a very, very skillful game. Yeah, I'm, I know that, yes. Yeah, and I think, I think so because what, we, what women lack in strength, they make up for in skill and technique. Um, and so that makes it kind of an, an, an attractive game to watch when we play it well. And, and I think it's got the, the standard has just gone through the roof. You've played both men's and women's cricket at, at a high level. So, so it, are there any differences? And psychologically, are there any differences? Because some men can really burn themselves out with anger and rage. And maybe some women can too, I don't know. Is there, are there differences? Oh, I think I, probably women have a... a, a easier temperament yeah. which is kind of conducive to um you know that 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 aggression can sometimes be to your de- detriment as well you know you're too impatient and maybe you just want to hit everything out of sight and uh so i think women and girls maybe are a bit a little bit more as i say tempered in terms of that um and maybe don't lose the plot as much <laughs> It's very, very competitive nowadays, and everything seems to be geared towards, you know, winning. Oh, yeah, if you can't enjoy it, just no, I never, uh, I would never put winning and, and that competitiveness over enjoyment, because if you if you if you stop enjoying it, uh, you, you know, you you won't continue. So, we always ensured, like when we were we were at nets or we were playing matches, that we were having a laugh and having good fun, and definitely having great fun afterwards. That camaraderie, um, that laughing, singing in the bar afterwards, so much a part of it. Mm. Um, and we can't emphasize that enough. As I say, I don't think it's, it happens to the same extent now as it did then. Um, but, oh, yeah, yeah, you have to have fun. You have to enjoy it. Even, even when you're struggling to play a game, and, and it is a difficult game to play, there's no question as well. But, but when I see, see the young boys and girls and... Uh, around the club it's just fantastic to watch and you are now coaching yeah yeah I uh, I, I was asked by one of the guys in the club you know would you would you think about um, coming back and doing some coaching with kind of the youth and, and, and with the, the women and I hadn't thought about it before because I, I when I stopped playing I uh, I found it very difficult to watch cricket. I just I just couldn't do it. You were forced out of the game really because of injury, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I I had terrible trouble with injury. Um, I was very unlucky with a, a knee problem when I was fourteen, and then as I say, it was the wear and tear with the back, and um, so much so that uh, I I was swallowing Volterol, and uh, I said, look, I need to take up, get off these and and see what my back is really like. And when I went off them, I realised sure I could. Have, could hardly get out of a chair. I could do the five point turn in bed just to turn onto my side, and so it was quality of life kind of decision that was made then. And I had a I had a spinal fusion, so I had my vertebrae fused in three places, three vertebrae fused together, and that was the end of it. You know, and the surgeon said, you know, you realise you're not going to be playing cricket ever again. So, but anyway, I stayed out of it, the game. I couldn't watch it. Um, still, obviously, avidly watch it on TV, etc. But uh, so when someone asks you, well, do you want to come back? Okay, so I, I started back this season and um, down in the club, uh, really, really nervous about it for, at the beginning, oh my God, uh, and uh, so helping out with uh, Sue Bray, who's a contemporary of mine, she played in the Irish team as well, and uh, she's been involved in coaching for the last 10 years, and we're, the two of us are helping out the, the player coach in, uh, in Clontarf, Bavi, and uh, 
it's great well this is Stella it's been fantastic talking to you it's a very interesting story and I must say you've got a great grace about you and a very very you're a very valuable addition I would have said to uh, cricket women's cricket in Ireland going forward as a coach great thanks Gary <laughs> Since she got her free hearing aids with her PRSI at Specsavers, Roisin is a changed woman. Music has never sounded better, and that makes her dance. And dance, and dance. Her singing, though, yeah, well. Free hearing aids with PRSI at Specsavers. Music to your ears. Find out more online. Terms and conditions apply. Woo!